0: Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. This is going to be episode 33 of the show, and we've got a great interview for you. We get the chance to sit down with Mr. Joe DeLoss, CEO and founder of Hot Chicken Takeover right here in Columbus. Before we dive into that, though, I want to take a moment to remind you all that uh, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, or Pocket Casts, go ahead and click that subscribe button. It'll make sure you never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus. And finally, we also want to take one last minute of your time to give a big shout out and thank you to all of our incredible sponsors here on the show. These are the guys that keep the episodes coming and allow us to keep creating great content for you all to listen to on a weekly basis. And that starts with AWH. AWH are builders of exceptional digital products for the web and mobile that drive business for select growth companies. With over 4,500 applications developed and 10 million users enjoying AWH applications, they are focused on solving problems and improving lives through better software applications. If you want to find out more about AWH and all the cool things they do, check out awh.net, which will be linked in the show notes, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. We'd also like to give a big shout-out to our friends over at MakeShark. Makeshark is a friendly, experienced team of web design and SEO professionals right here in Columbus, Ohio, helping local businesses and nonprofits get better design, functionality, and ROI from their websites for free. Uh, Their websites are $0 to start up, and uh, customers only pay $59 a month to cover the cost of their domain and web hosting, which is really, really cheap compared to a lot of other places out there. Uh, Their business model combines the benefits of having a local marketing agency with the ease and pricing of a drag-and-drop website builder, the MakeShark team members have worked with brands as big as Hulu, Kroger, and Huffy Bikes, as well as local companies like She Has a Name Cleaning, Nature's Touch Landscaping, and Kicks Mix Bookstore. Like our guest today, MakeShark is a social enterprise helping inner-city youth here in Columbus start a thriving career in web development and marketing while earning money in the process. If you guys want to reach out to MakeShark about launching your new website or seamlessly migrating your existing site for free. Reach out to MakeShark at MakeShark.com, which will be linked in the show notes, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you over. Our final shout-out of the day goes out to Procure Clean. Procure Clean, the official disinfectant deodorizer for USA Wrestling, is a chlorine dioxide product and has quickly become the leading disinfectant on the market. Uh, they got a patented drop-and-go system and allows users just to add water and place it on whatever they want to disinfect for 30 seconds. To eliminate everything from MRSA, staph, and ringworm, to and herpes, just to name a few. Procure Clean leaves no chemical footprint, is eco-friendly, and food-grade safe. The only preventable injury in sports is a skin ailment, so let Procure Clean keep your facilities clean and your athletes in their sport. If you want to learn more about Procure Clean, please contact sales at ProcureClean.com. That's P-R-O-K-U-R. K L E A N dot com, which will be linked in the show notes. And tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. All right, Conquerors, let's get this show on the road. You can drop me anywhere on the planet, in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a
1: way to survive. I'll find a way
2: to not just be status quo, a desire
1: to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.
0: Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Uh, today on the show, we got Joe DeLoss of Hot Chicken Takeover. And uh, we're really excited to have him here today. I think it's going to
2: make a great episode. And welcome to Conquering Columbus, Joe. Thanks for having me. And we're really excited to have you here today. So let's kick it off and kind of talk about what does a typical day in your life look like today, maybe from this morning till right now?
1: So uh, this is an unusual week. We're recording uh, right after Christmas. Uh, a typical day for me at work, um, you know, we, we are rapidly expanding, and my role is kind of the leader of the ship I think keeps changing. So increasingly I'm finding myself doing less uh, heavy lifting on work and, and more encouragement, support, coaching, and feedback to the rest of our leadership team. So increasingly, I'm finding myself spending time on you know, higher level discussions about where we wanna go and, and what we think the ideal outcome of a specific project is and um, then giving feedback. So on any given day, probably spending you know, two or three hours in an email inbox <laughs> answering questions and the rest of the time in meetings and uh, if I'm lucky I get an hour or two to hang out in the restaurant
2: and talk with our team members. So it seems like a big transition from working in the business to working on the business as you guys are growing which is interesting I definitely want us to um, kind of focus on that more as the episode goes on but maybe just a brief recap for anybody listening who doesn't know what's your story look like up until creating Hot Chicken kind of what is that brief synopsis and what was that path like?
1: Yeah so so hot chicken is kind of twofold. You know, we are a fast-growing startup. We are uh, trying to build a multi-unit restaurant empire that sells delicious hot chicken. Uh, I didn't. I didn't enter the hot chicken field because I'm passionate about chicken. I am really passionate about building jobs and and building relationships with a workforce and employees. Um, specifically, my work has been focused for probably the last 10 years on creating work opportunities for men and women that just need a fair shot at work, often uh, often because they'll have a blemish on their resume, like a criminal record or a lapse in work history for one reason or another, and um, there are a significant amount of people in that category. That work started for me uh, when I was an undergraduate. I went to Capital University, and um, up to that point, I did a ton of volunteering in my life, and had always felt you know, a, a draw to support community members that needed it. And at some point in college, I realized that almost all the work I had done wasn't, wasn't getting it, getting me anywhere, or getting the problem anywhere that I was, you know, I could serve soup for, you know, eight hours a day, uh, seven days a week, and uh, the soup line would never go away, the problem would never go away. So I fell in love with business and started to think about how that passion for volunteerism, or that passion, passion for charitable work, and this passion for startups, and entrepreneurship, and creativity, and problem solving, had they'd meld together. And I was lucky to have some great mentors that set me on the course I'm on now. And um, so uh, 10 years. I started in investment banking out of school because I wanted to pay my bills and wanted to keep learning. I lasted for 20 months as an investment bank analyst. Um, was that here in Columbus? Or? That was, yeah. I worked for a small outfit, like a little boutique shop here. And still have some great relationships there. And I learned a ton. And I'm a, I, I do a mean Excel spreadsheet <laughs> uh, and can and run pretty complex things. But uh, What was your degree in? I, I studied business. Okay. And um, so I had, I had a couple degrees, a business degree with a focus on marketing, and then a communication degree. And, um, and a tremendous amount. I, I probably had a dozen internships. And all of it was, you know, at the point I committed myself to go down this path of social entrepreneurship and, and impact, kind of sustainable, profitable impact in some way. It was, uh, I'm gonna get every experience I can that's gonna equip me for these skills. Because I knew I wanted to do something for myself. And so I started worrying less about equipping my resume rather than a, you know, equipping my, my skill set. And, um, and so, yeah, fast forward, 10 years of trial and error, um, building a couple businesses for other organizations and nonprofits. I built a business called Fresh Box Catering. That company is still running. We provided jobs directly to men and women affected by homelessness, living at Faith Mission. And um, that's a great legacy because it continues. And, um, and it was my, I, I, I got to test out entrepreneurship on somebody else's dime, which is a, which is a huge privilege. And ultimately left that knowing that I just need to do something myself. I need to control more of the variables myself. And, and I'm confident enough that I'll risk my own money. And then, so from Freshbox, I flailed for a couple of years. I built a kind of a consultancy and a holding company called Noble. Uh, I think I still own, own that business. Um, <laughs> yes. I love the name and the brand. And um, I hope someday it becomes my investment entity into other, other entrepreneurs like me. Uh, but that takes liquid capital and things I don't have. Um, and, uh, I had a a staffing company I built called Framework and the intention was to, to do the nature of the work we do for other companies. And I had a horrible sales pitch. That's probably a a fun story to tell. And, um, I, I ran out of money and ran out of runway and I didn't, had never validated the idea that I was trying to prove. And, um, I know I have to validate that same point. And, uh, the point for me is that I, I think the nature of the work we do from an employment perspective, although some people see it charitably, we see the work we do as solving this pretty significant economic crisis. I, I employers left and right across different industries and boundaries can't find a reliable workforce. And one, I think it's because um, they don't know how to treat people. Uh, and and they have crap HR strategies. Um, the the second piece of that is um, that they unnecessarily restrict who they're willing to hire. And um, so we have a we have a pretty open hiring strategy. Um, the majority of our employees at Hot Chicken have uh, been affected by incarceration in the past, so it's probably approaching seventy percent. Um, and uh, we don't do that charitably, you know. We d- we do that because we have the strongest workforce we can imagine that are mm-hmm. engaged, loyal, productive, all these things, and uh, we get to earn that every day through our employment relationship.
0: Absolutely, you know. I think that was something that you hit the. Like, I had a question in mind about um, focusing on that social side of your entrepreneurship, yeah. which is, I mean, is Hot Chicken Takeover really a social entrepreneurship, or you just have good employees that people other people are overlooking?
1: So I think I think. I'm I'm really passionate about proving the latter, which mm-hmm. is proving that um, this isn't this isn't um, some charitable exercise. I always I'm reminded of those Sarah McLaughlin commercials with the sick puppies for the SPCA, mm-hmm. and I think all too often when we talk about social enterprise or nonprofit work, we treat human beings like sick puppies, and um, that is so far from the case for our team and. Uh, the beauty of entering into an employment relationship with somebody is it's mutually beneficial, and so um, we have we have to have a great workforce to sell a great product, and um, we have to have a great product to continue you know building our workforce and you know paying our bills, and so it, they they go together. Absolutely,
0: and you know, and I think one other question I had following up on that similar point is, do you think that the United States has the highest incarceration rates of any civilized? Yeah well um, Not civilized that's the incorrect term. But any uh, modern mm-hmm. um, country in the in the world. Do you think that you know possibly we incarcerate a few too many people, and that those high incarceration rates and the things we incarcerate people for are negatively affecting our workforce ability?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the the Wall Street Journal just reported that one in three adult Americans have. Um, criminal records and 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 not all of that is associated with a you know a felony offense or a jailable or um, a prisonable offense and increasingly as I I Have more relationships with men and women that um, Have these kind of alternative resumes uh, I'm I'm learning a lot more about The nature of the system and I think increasingly I have a desire to be an advocate for reform Mm -hmm. and it's a matter of figuring out how much energy I have and, right. and how many things I can direct myself to. But in our own way, you know, we are we are creating an alternative path um, mm-hmm. and an opportunity for people to really develop careers and break that right. cycle. I think that the thing over, you know, I, I am not, I, I don't have a personal narrative that says I should be connected to reentry. Mm-hmm. I was raised with um, a really, you know, supportive two-parent, like, Beaver Cleaver type family mm-hmm. in the suburbs, and um, had parents that I, you know, witnessed move from kind of blue collar to white collar professions, and um, learned a tremendous amount from my parents. Um, but in my neighborhood, if if there was a conflict, you know, my my dad would say, if somebody punches you, you punch back, you defend yourself, you have a right to do that. And um, in the middle class, predominantly white suburbs. the the nature of how you defend yourself is to punch somebody because they punched you. Um, (laughs) But had I grown up in a different experience and gotten the same advice, um, violence looks different, conflict looks different, people have fewer resources um, to mitigate conflict. And so you don't don't roll into a gunfight with a fist, you know? It just doesn't make sense. And um, as I realize a lot of the trauma and conflict and um, circumstance that many many people have early on in their life that leads mm-hmm. to um, you know a criminal criminal record, it's pretty remarkable, mm-hmm. and it's and it's you can't <coughs> you can't easily you know you can't I, I think we too readily judge people right. based on um, mistakes they got caught for. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so increasingly I'm finding myself I want to share that narrative. Right. Um, and, and part of the way we do that is that we you know we run the best, most reputable, you know highly recognizable brand food mm-hmm. business we can. and um, on that second or third date with a customer, we can break some misconceptions because they start to understand who we hire and why we do it mm-hmm. um, as they're having these surprisingly elevated levels of service and experience and um, it all kind of gels together.
2: Yep. What I find is the most unique about it. So I grew up in a couple different environments where I watched people go through tough times, being incarcerated, and then come out. And they it would be like a spiraling rabbit hole for them. Like they mm-hmm. would lose their identity. They wouldn't be able to find a good job they're proud of. And it would just keep going downhill from there. And if they ever really got a chance to kind of find a place that actually would accept them, it would have you know helped them recover. And you notice for some people the first time it was a mistake, but the second time, maybe they were eventually starting to learn, but they weren't able to ever get accredited for learning along the way, you know, until they hit a certain point. So yeah. I think it's awesome that there's finally starting to be companies and, and organizations that are recognizing that people can change along the way. So yeah. how do you how do you try to define, though, that point where somebody has just made another mistake and they're going to go back to the way they were or they've learned from their mistakes and they're ready to kind of create yeah. a new identity and move on?
1: Uh, that's a great question I, I mean I think we you know we've like any employer we've figured out the culture and the values we want to keep and um, you protect that culture and values by letting the right people in and and letting the right people out you know is if you make a mistake at hiring um, you've got to be willing to cut the cord you know when you need to and um, for us we you know we have um, really you know a, a set of key values so our five Key values are focused around team first, you know, an orientation towards people. Um, the second is focused around hu- hustle. Hustle is a unique word, particularly if people have thought of a hustle in a you know a different connotation in their past life. Um, ownership, you know, taking a perspective of owning up to everything, acknowledging your past, owning uh, mistakes you make. Um, a constant focus on growth you know, is this idea. And so having the humility to own everything you've done and also f- focusing on getting feedback and constantly, you know, growing and thinking about what happens next and um, is key to us. And then the fifth value is around solutions orientation. Like you've got to be willing to not just show up with a problem without a willingness to, to solve it. And so we've created an entire application process that mm-hmm. tries to weed out those things. And if um, somebody comes in and... They lay, lay down their record and make excuses about it and project everything outwardly, you know, without acknowledging that they were part of that, you know, decision aside from anything else. Generally indicates somebody like, I, we're not going to be able to give that person feedback mm-hmm. because they're never going to internalize anything or they're never going to take ownership of uh, the fact they let a, a dirty dish get out of the tank. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's a multi-step process, but ultimately that's a big, um, that's a big part of it for us. And, um, we joke, we have a, we, we joke about having a dish tank culture and it's because no matter if you're our CFO or our chicken fryer, every, every starts on the dish tank. And, um, not everybody has the humility to do that, um, because they think they're above it or their professional experiences above it or something like that. And, um. Um, that is, is not a trait you find with many, it, at least the men and women that we hire um, that have this alternative resume or this lapse in their work history because of incarceration are um, pretty eager to get on that dish tank. And as an employer, um, that's really significant. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I think when, when you ask this question, I think what is interesting happening right now is that employers are so screwed finding a workforce and economists are saying in the next five to ten years businesses will be made or broke by their ability to hire and retain team members and so quite frankly employers are getting desperate so this crazy idea that they've always you know shit on about hiring all you know alternative mm-hmm. uh, candidates they're now like having to reconsider um and that's you know i we were trying to sell this idea three years ago or four years ago with another startup and it was a really tough pitch. Right. It was a horrible pitch too. I mean, we were saying like, Oh, it sounds like you have conflict and theft happening in your warehouse. I have a whole bunch of people with records for conflict and theft. I think they could solve your problem. <laughs> and uh, it was just like, it didn't, it's, it's funny. I still believe the same sales pitch, right. but we're proving it. Right. And, um, and those same, those same employers, those same warehouses have a, line on their P&L that says shrinkage which mm-hmm. is a really like clever way to say people are stealing from mm-hmm. you um and you tell me you don't hire anybody with a criminal record like right. you're clearly hiring criminals mm-hmm. if people are stealing from you they yeah. just haven't got caught so why why not hire the people that have such a such an opportunity to gain from a positive work experience Absolutely. and a positive trajectory so yeah, it's a mess.
0: Speaking of hiring people, I'm just wondering like how, how what is hot chicken's retention like? Or how often are people coming to you saying, Hey, yeah, I'd like to hire your employees?
1: Yeah, so um it's a it's a weird it, our retention's great. So mm-hmm. um in our industry, uh annual turnover for a restaurant is over seventy percent right now. Mm-hmm. Um and it's been tracking up for the last five years. Last year was seventy two percent. So I, I'm assuming this year continues, as the trend continues. Um, our retention of staff with our current management system exceeds seventy percent. So our turnover is sub twenty five percent. So we're we're outperforming the industry by three x. And now we're a small provider. We have fifty employees, and 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 looking towards growth, we'll we'll see how our numbers hold up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it, it's a pretty drastic difference, and we're in an industry that. Reports say that every time you turn a seat, every time you turn a job, um, you'll have uh, a four to seven thousand dollar cost associated with lost wages, theft, training, all these things. And we're in like, you know, if you're running a warehouse with more technology and more expensive inventory, that number's ten thousand dollars a turn. And they're turning people at one hundred and fifty to two hundred percent a year. That's that's crazy. We're mm. literally burning money uh, yeah. in these industries.
2: One thing I heard, and I don't know if it's just like a Columbus mythical legend that goes around about hot chicken, but I heard that like if you have someone who tells you that they're coming to an interview on a bus route, you would time the interview out to a certain time with their bus route. So if they showed up, if they tried to take it easy and show up late, they would show up late to the interview. Is that true or is that completely, if it's know. irrelevant, we'll delete it from the interview. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, it's,
1: it's an interesting like urban legend. So we, you know, we intentionally put obstacles in front of people. Um, associated with, associated with their application process. So it's a simple thing. Like we won't accept walk-in resumes. Um, we 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 force people to go through a web portal. You know, on mm-hmm. our on our website, that's a simple form. And um, so so in the in as you stated it, we don't necessarily time people out based on their their bus schedule. We don't look at <laughs> the bus. Um, But we give people really fixed times. And um, it is a simple exercise, you know, the uh, buses don't always run consistently, but um, if somebody chooses to get on the bus that's gonna get them there, you know, five minutes before their stated interview, uh, it's generally not a good indicator um, in that early stage that they didn't catch the earlier bus. Mm -hmm. Um, Another simple thing, we give people a uh, part of their paperwork when they come in for their live interview after a couple other steps have happened is it's, a, it's essentially a goals worksheet. So it's to communicate, like, what are a couple things you're working on in your life that you're trying to accomplish? And that could be as simple as um, I'm trying to get car insurance or I'm trying to get a vehicle to I'm trying to reunite with my, my son who I haven't met, you know, haven't seen for 10 years. Uh, if they can't fill out the three bullets on that goal sheet, to acknowledge they have three different things they're focused on, they're not going to continue the application process because it's just, we, we want people focused towards growth and focused towards, mm-hmm. um, you know, hustling and figuring out what's next and, um, they, they have to have it. Definitely. And speaking of growth, <laughs> chicken's growing. We are growing. Yeah. It's crazy. So we've, uh, just announced, we've got a location that's um, going to open up in Clintonville. And um, really excited about that. It's a slightly different format than what we're doing right now at the North Market. Um, and um, I, I guess whether or not that one works, we've already signed. We've already signed for a third one. So 2017 is going to be big. Two new restaurants and a, about 150 new employees.
2: Yeah. When you say slightly different format, are you allowed to speak on a little bit what that format's going to look like? Yeah.
1: So um, so we got we made some press uh, last year. Um, or earlier in, in 2016 to, um, uh, because we raised capital. So we, we, we specifically went out and we raised uh, private capital to finance kind of the next round of growth for hot chicken. And um, so we, we are focused right now on thinking about over the next 24 months. We really want to prove out the formula with which we're going to really scale and really grow. And um, so the, the next couple leases we've signed are focused on slightly different formats, slightly different environments. And so in Clintonville, what's really exciting is um, we will be testing out a um, pickup window. and um, so you'll be able to order online and roll through, you know with your family and pick up meals to go home with um, or at any other time. And so that's something we clearly don't have now. Um, it indicates, you know, at some point this quarter, we'll be launching on lo- online ordering that will also hit the North Market. But that's a slightly different format. It's also a restaurant that's going to be open lunch and dinner. Uh, we're open 24 hours a week right now at the North Market. We will be expanding this next, next restaurant to be open you know, probably 11 to 9, 7 days a week, which is you know 3x the hours that we're currently mm-hmm. doing. So a so, lot of changes. I mean,
0: online ordering, you're going to have to order your hot chicken before...
1: 8 a.m., <laughs> man. It's going to be we'll gone. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It's already yeah. hard to get it by two. We figured yeah. out that. like a, Early on, we had this. We had to have a count up on the wall because we literally mm-hmm. just didn't know how in the hell to fry enough chicken. Yeah. Um, and we just kept adding at our first location. We had enough hood space. We just mm-hmm. kept – we were buying these junk fryers. They were like 600 bucks a piece. And at the end of a weekend, if we had enough cash – like in the box that we hadn't deposited yet. We would just go out and buy, <laughs> just buy another fryer That's and work it up. Um, yeah, there's 600 bucks, cash and carry. Um, but uh, we've, we've worked that out. So now um, the count is less a function of su- available supply, but it's about uh, maintaining really fresh quality mm-hmm. of chicken and um, not dropping a whole bunch of product that's going to sit in a a warming cabinet for four hours. We want to make sure people are getting really fresh, delicious chicken.
2: Not to mention, like, accessibility. The North Market is so hard for me to ever make it to. It's like, I almost feel like it's more of, like, a novelty thing. Like, somebody comes to Columbus to visit you, like, I got to take you to the North Market. But the fact that you guys are packing lines out the door in a location like that is, like, mind-blowing to me, kind of. So that you're going to go to a place where people are going to strive up and park is going to be... Yeah,
1: you know, or not I'm even park, just drive up and drive, drive up. up to the yeah. So I, I think what's interesting is since we started, we've had all of these kind of, um, you know, B and C real estate opportunities, where they were um, off the beaten path, and and there's a lot of allure. And I love being a placemaker. You know, I think that says something as a testament to our brand. But um, you know, on the second floor of the North Market, every person that walks up those steps that doesn't have food in their hand already is coming up for us. And, and we have to earn each one of those sales. So what happens when we're on High Street in Clintonville and uh, we get, you know, uh, whatever that 100,000 car count is or whatever it is based on prime real estate in Clintonville. Uh, so what does that look like for a business? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's one of those things we're proving is maybe we, we prove that we don't need to pay for A, real estate you know, um, and hell, that would be a much cheaper growth proposition if we can sign all of these leases at you know uh, not prime rates um, for real estate.
0: Yeah. So one question I kind of uh, had was with when you're moving into these, you know, expanding. What number one? What's the biggest difficulty of their expansion?
1: I I, I mean, it's funny because we we talk about labor as, you know, this core competency, but I think workforce development mm-hmm. for us is, is massive. And um, we have the most, I, I, I've never been prouder of any team I've been on than the team we have now. And it's taken us almost three years to get to this point of maturation in terms of leadership, management, uh, crew members, um, to afford us this retention number and all of these things. And so how do I, how do I replicate that in a three-month period to s- supply a whole new store, mm-hmm. and so that's what we're, you know, that's what we're grinding on right now is how do we, how do we pull that off? And um, thankfully, there's some really great restaurant operators in this town. And it's a really gracious community and industry, so we're getting a lot of support from other people that have can share their battle wounds from when right. they did it poorly or when they did it excellently. But I think that's what I'm most worried about. And, And that's as a company as a whole, that Mm -hmm. is anxiety, but as an individual and as a leader, you know, I've, I've, I've considered myself very aspiring CEO. Um, and so this is represents a whole leadership development exercise for myself that I will see. Right.
2: Do you have any significant mentors or anybody that you turn to now or in the past that have helped you kind of to this point?
1: Yeah. I, 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 mean, I, it would be tough to name them all. I think it's, Even now, um, partly uh, raising capital was a significant opportunity to really solidify some great mentorship relationships I had that believed enough in us to um, give us some additional runway and financial growth. Um, Was
2: that in the term of like debt equity or?
1: Yeah, so we we raised a preferred equity round for the business. And and so prior to that, we had some kind of angel investors support us with lower cost debt. and, And prior to that, it was credit card debt which was not very low cost um, <laughs> when those promotional coupons ran oh, out.
0: Uh, a bit of an APR on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but so we, um, you know, that has matured really nicely. And, and we are, we wanted to wait to raise equity to the point that we could continue maintaining control and, and, and figure out to really insulate and protect the work we do from a workforce perspective. You know, I still got a lot to validate there and a lot to prove um, for the business that happens after Hot Chick, and um, and so uh, there've been a ton of countless people, both both on the industry side and on the HR side, that we've really relied on. And um, the, you can't think of a big restaurant name in Columbus that we haven't been able to get some time with. That hasn't been wildly supportive. This town is, you know, unbelievable in that regard.
0: Yeah, we see that a lot with a lot of people we have on the show. I mean, just the fact that. We've gotten so many amazing people on the show shows that, you know, it's yeah. two guys who, what have we done? And, you know, we don't have really anything other than, hey, you want to sit down and talk with us for an hour? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we, we've gotten some we incredible Besides millions of listeners worldwide. Right. I mean, <laughs> let them fool right. you. I and, mean, you know, I think. A couple thousand in Columbus maybe,
1: I don't know. But <laughs> I think what's powerful about what you're doing is this just amplifies the mini coffee shop conversations that I think a lot of your guests have. And um, I feel pressure increasingly as I'm – my time is tight and, and the volume of decisions we're making and, and team members we have are tight. It's a lot harder to have coffee shop conversations because I feel like I'm not giving enough internal time to leadership development or team member development. And so to have an opportunity like this, to have probably the same conversation I'd have with somebody over coffee or beer is, uh, is really great.
2: Yeah, I think what I've found that I like so much about these podcast type interviews is that they kind of pull out what you call like the, what some people would call like the dumb questions that you think like people they kind of want to ask but then they think oh, I no I should probably should know the answer to that and then you know you hear somebody ask it yeah. from somebody who's running a business or who's creating something great and you're you kind of start to levelize with them realize that they're just a person too and they go through the same struggles and yeah you know they're facing the same kind of issues but so you, you guys are growing and you said you're going to grow from fifty to nearly two hundred people how does that affect your role within the company and how are you transitioning from working in the business to on the business
1: yeah um i i, I don't really know yet you know I'm, <laughs> I'm i i'm i'm actively figuring that out and and a lot of that is you know so uh, many of the mentors i have are 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 so far ahead of me you know they're running um multiple units or in some instances you know 100 units mm-hmm. and um of restaurants and so they're further away from, you know, some of the some of the grit we're going through now, and so it's 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 really nice to have peers that are just a couple steps ahead, and so to have peers that have fifteen restaurants, you know, or fifteen franchises, and um, that's where I'm that's where I'm finding the most help of how are you allocating your time now, and you know what are what level of decision. Do you really force yourself into um, and what do you back away from? And um, they've challenged me quite a bit.
2: Um, Are there examples of some companies like that in Columbus that you can speak of? Yeah.
1: So, you know, we, uh, we really admire the guys from Fusion and the team from Fusion and what they're doing. And they're um, a couple years and, and, you know, a dozen units ahead of us. Uh, at least they will be by the end of 17. And, and they're on a warpath. And so it's great to talk to them and here here there kind of trials and tribulations and then um RCO limited which is the local franchisee for Raisin Cane's uh has been uh that that whole team have been tremendous to us same with you know the Malheims from the north star group um and and it's they're all folks that are you know a couple years and a couple restaurants ahead of us mm-hmm. and um you know even simple things like you know we we were trying to figure out a banking infrastructure. So when you go from one unit to many, you get more than one bank account. Or you don't. And, and so it's this one critical decision that leads to all this accounting work and all this paper trail. Mm-hmm. And we called three different companies and just said, how do you do your banking? And they sent us flowcharts of how they do their <laughs> banking. And we figured out how we were going to do ours. But we could have spent, you know, we spent weeks on that and t- a ton of money mm-hmm. with our accounts <laughs> figuring it out. And um, a lot of shortcuts like that have been really helpful. So how many
2: of those high-level strategy decisions do you take feedback from other people? And how many do you kind of look at them yourself and say, I just don't know if that's the right fit for us? Because I think in the yeah. end, you know, every single industry, even if they're in the same industry as you, every single different type of restaurant is probably going to have to take a little bit of their own unique path. Is that Do you kind of feel similar about that? Or?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I'm as I mature as a leader, I, I feel more and more confident when my instinct is on and when my ego is on, you know, and I'm trying to figure out that balance. And so there are often times we'll be presented with a decision where I feel like, psh, I like, I, I know, you know what I mean? Like I know what the answer is for us. Um, and that may be different than other, other companies. And I often feel that way about brand decisions, about is this decision on brand or off brand for, for us? And our brand has been unique enough that it's tough to get feedback from somebody else that may, may be a little more conventional or or different. Um, and then there are other instances where it's, you know, how do I, you know, how do we build a management coaching system for our leaders? You know, and we've done really effectively at building um, management systems for our crew. And I'm really struggling to figure out now. I have this new layer of people that I rely on as a leadership team. And um, I'm relying on them to do strategic, high-level work. And that was all the work that I have done in the past. And so that's the biggest shift for me is instead of managing 50 people now and, and playing coach in the locker room and trying to give pep talks, I've got you know five or six people that I'm trying to um, really support to do the best work they can do every week. And um, that's a whole different ballgame because they're – sharp and experts and keeping me on my toes and challenging me and it's it's really forcing me into a different kind of leadership.
0: Do you enjoy that leadership more or do you feel like you're enjoying you know working on the ground floor more?
1: I think it's easy to romance like either side of it you know and um, we do we've sustained this culture as a company that um, is you know this dish tank culture and so we want to make sure that everybody's willing to you know, when that new restaurant opens, all of every member of our leadership team knows that there'll be cashiers and hosts and <laughs> front utility and line workers because um, it's a new system. And we we have to have all our best people figure out how to iterate on that system. And um, so I don't know. You know, there are days where all I want to do is go hang out at the restaurant and talk to staff and talk to customers. And I do that sometimes. And I again a lot of inspiration and energy from it. Um, and then there are days where I want nothing to do with it and I want to be, you know, trying to solve what we're thinking about for 18 months out. Yeah. I I don't know if I found that rhythm yet. I'm testing out some new personal time schedules in (laughs) 2017. And so I'm hoping to keep myself at kind of peak performance and peak energy, um, in a better way.
2: What does that new level of management look like? Are they coming internally or externally? Are you promoting people up already? Yeah,
1: so it's a little bit of both. And so over the next five years, we've made a commitment as a company that 75% of our leadership um, will come internally and, and come from our own pipeline. And um, that, I think, is smart business, you know, and it's, it's, there are a whole variety of reasons why it makes sense. Um, I think in the earlier part of the five years, we'll probably have more external hires just because we're not, our pipeline isn't growing fast enough. Mm -hmm. Um, but for the nature of the work we do, the nature of the culture we want, it means a lot more to have the credibility of the person that started on the dish tank to start on the dish tank, not as figuratively as, you know, doing that first shift on the dish tank. I, so I, I think we'll see. Um, but right now it's, it's probably 50, 50 and um, uh, I hope that, you know, the, the intention is that the weighted average of five years will be
2: over 75% internal. And is that kind of how you give people hope when they onboard and their motivation to kind of, I guess, gain an identity and hot chicken that they can have a place to thrive and grow as an individual where other places, not only were they not given an opportunity, but here they're given an opportunity and an opportunity to excel the places they never thought they could make it before.
1: Yeah. So, you know, aside from, Ignoring people's not ignoring but you know if somebody makes an acknowledgement about their past That's kind of it and then it's about acknowledge the past and focus on the future and some people's future when they come to us says uh, I want to you know we had a great example. We had a team member um, incarcerated for over 20 years I mean he was down for a really long time and had determined on, on you know as he was approaching release that he wanted uh, to be a CDL driver and um, he came to us on the first day of the interview. I have a goal, I'm gonna be a CDL driver. I said, hell yeah, like, how can we help? And um, he worked for us for only seven months and um, really killed it for us and was a great team member and somebody we really relied on. And you know, he was taking night classes, uh, driving a truck and learning. And um, we connected him to his first job. Um, and uh, as a CDL driver, and it was because of our reference and the, you know, the 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 fact that he had done such a great job for us that we were able to position him for a job that I I couldn't afford to pay him what he's making. Mm-hmm. And um, so what a what a great outcome. And we got a great employee for seven months, and who now, you know, I saw him yesterday. He was in a hot chicken shirt. You know, he's still a huge advocate for us. And um, so that's an instance where his Future orientation was not, you know, necessarily with us, and for other people, they, you know, they're kind of lifers at hot chicken, mm-hmm. and at least in the near term, and that's better than being a lifer somewhere else. And so, I'll take that every day.
0: So, what's your future with hot chicken look like then? What's my future? What's look your like? future look like? How you know? I mean, what are your goals for the company? What are, you, what are your long term?
1: Yeah. I'm, I, want, I want to get us to you know, 750 team members in the next five years. And, and so that means two restaurants in 17 and two or three in 18. And you, know, you do the math mm-hmm. and keep figuring out what that looks like. And um, I want to be the leader that can make that happen. And I'll tell you, I'm not that leader now. You know, I have a lot to learn and a lot to gain um, perspective on. And so it's going to be a hell of a ride. To see what that looks like.
2: Are you looking beyond that? Are you looking like past beyond the five years and what your future looks like? You talked about maybe having like, you know, a holding company yeah. where you start investing in other companies. Would that be here in Columbus? Have you thought about that? Or is that still too far down yeah. to really think about?
1: So we have an asterisk on our logo, you know, and the asterisk is to indicate that there's a bigger conversation happening at Hot Chicken. It's not just about chicken, it's about our community of customers, a community of employees. And we started hot chicken to validate that asterisks you know we started the business to prove that hr can be done differently and there's countless industries focused on entry-level labor that are so horribly unreliable right now and there's such an economic opportunity to solve that problem um, with the solution you know we have and so long term i see this huge opportunity to really disrupt entry-level labor um, a- across industries of logistics hospitality food service you you name it, call centers, um, healthcare in a lot of ways. And I think we are creating an infrastructure and a management system that can do that. And um, that's it. I have, you know, it'll take me five years to get 750 employees at Hot Chicken. Um, and even if, you know, even if there was some uh, crazy deal and ownership deal that could scale our restaurant, you know, we're still growing it in increments of 50 you know, 50 jobs per store, or whatever that magic number works out to be. If I can convince the logistics industry in Central Ohio to change their labor strategy, I can get 100,000 jobs, you know? Um, so that's scale that's really exciting to me as an entrepreneur that loves mm-hmm. the start and loves the impact and loves the magnitude of something. And so I want to play in that space. Um, whether I do that as an investor or an owner or an entrepreneur, you know, I, I don't know. But I think future for me is figuring out how do I scale the asterisks and um, there are plenty of people that know how to operate you know multi-unit restaurants this town is loaded with them and so I want to continue to partner with those folks to make hot chicken as strong as it can be Um, but I I will always have you know an eye towards magnitude and impact Um, I just don't know what form it takes yet.
0: Um, One question we always ask our our, uh, guests that are on the show today is uh, we have t-shirts they don't sell near as well as yours do. Uh, we <laughs> sold a lot of T-shirts. Yeah, we, yeah. I think we sold a uh, big zero. No, we a sold one. Zero. Oh no, we got one. We got one. It was, our, don't roommate. Down our, it was our roommate downsell our organization like that. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> that was uh, a sympathy buy. On the back
0: of the T-shirt, I think you paid more says... than what's on the website too. <laughs> 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 on the back of our T-shirt, uh, we got our kind of our motto, our slogan for the show. Okay. And It's live uncomfortably.
1: Live uncomfortably.
0: Because we yeah. feel like, in order to be successful, in order for people to pursue their goals and. To achieve success, you have to put yourself outside your comfort zone constantly. Yeah. So, what do you think of that phrase? And um, how have you lived uncomfortably?
1: Yeah. So um, physically, I've lived uncomfortably a couple times. Uh, we were talking uh, about
2: the four loco days earlier. Yeah. There's a lot of four <laughs> loco. That was
1: uncomfortable. And the <laughs> mountain bike trips I took after nights of four loco were uncomfortable. Oh wow. Um, I also lived. I lived in an airstream trailer for almost two years in a friend's backyard while I was starting another business when I was starting um, Noble and Framework because it was a way to live affordably and coolly. And um, yeah, it, it was an interesting time. But I, I think entrepreneurs, and I actually, I just took this um, specific like emotional quotient assessment or something. And um, it was in a peer group. I'm in a, a, a CEO peer group called Vistage. And every entrepreneur in my my peer group took it. And we all have this remarkably high stress tolerance Um, and coupled with a couple other traits can be really dangerous because you'll just keep pushing it too far. And when other people rely on you for an income and a paycheck, you gotta be really cautious about that. Um, But I, I think for me, like that's the place I'm happiest when I'm constantly growing and feel some pressure and stress. And I think even over the course of the last, you know, almost three years this April, um, hot chicken will, April 6th will be our thir- third year of selling chicken and um, it's gone through a big rhythm of me of sometimes times that are really painful and out of my comfort zone and you strive to get closer to the light at the end of the tunnel and then you do some stupid nonsense like sign two leases and tr- <laughs> you know that are going to open up within eight months of each other and so I know willingly that whatever peace I'm feeling right now I will be further away from it um, in a in a couple short months, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that's the that's what we do as entrepreneurs. And if you have this desire to conquer and move forward, you have to be willing to keep pushing that. And when you get tired, you back away from it, and then you breathe, and then you dive straight into it again. And I don't know, I can't imagine my life being any different.
2: I think that's an awesome place to wrap things up. Do you have any final words or anything else that's been on your mind lately in terms of where you are in life today whether it's related to business or personal that you just really feel like would be a, a message that would resonate with the Columbus listening base
1: yeah I think as an entrepreneur I'm learning you know our entrepreneurs and startups are built through a lot of muscle and grit you know and a certain degree of persistence and tenacity and um that is those those skills that made me successful in the early days, even of hot chicken and other entities are not the same ones that are going to carry me through and carry our business and our, our workforce through to the next stage of business. And every time I learn about leadership or I delegate or I, I get myself a little further from um, the weeds in some ways, it's painful, but um, the outcomes have been so positive and we have, we have such a great team and they keep getting better and better when I get further and further out of the way. And I just wish I would have started that type of leadership development sooner because the 10 years prior of projects I've worked on would have created more outcomes sooner had I um, relied on more people than I relied on myself. And um, so I think, there's, I think there's something to that and maybe it's just I'm getting older too and I have a family, I, I don't know, but I think I think I'm increasingly encouraging people towards that type of leadership development because it's, it's radically changed my business and my life.
2: Where can the people of Columbus listening go to help you guys out? Is there anything they can do to support you besides yeah. just buy a massive amounts of hot chicken?
1: Please buy massive amounts of hot chicken, <laughs> um, both at the North market and the Clintonville location that'll be open later this spring. And then, um, you know, come fall we'll be, uh, launching restaurant number three and, um, a pretty a pretty cool place and it represents a different opportunity for our business to grow too. So stay tuned for that.
0: Sounds good. Well, hey, Joe, thanks a lot for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. I think we had a great time and our listeners will get a lot of
1: value out of this one. We're that's, excited. It's great. Thanks so much, guys. All right, Conquerors,
0: that's the end of episode 33. We hope you enjoyed our time with Joe and we hope this episode inspires y'all to go out and buy a lot of hot chicken. If you enjoyed that episode, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Rate us on iTunes, check us out on Facebook, uh, follow us on all our social media. That'll make sure you never miss an episode. Before we let you go, though, we want to give one last shout out to all of our amazing sponsors. And that starts with AWH. AWH are builders of exceptional digital products for the web and mobile that drive business for select growth companies. With over 4,500 applications developed and 10 million users enjoying AWH applications, They are focused on solving problems and improving lives through better software applications. If you want to find out more about AWH and all the cool things they do, check out awh.net, which will be linked in the show notes, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. We'd also like to give a big shout-out to our friends over at MakeShark. MakeShark is a friendly, experienced team of web design and SEO professionals right here in Columbus, Ohio. Helping local businesses and nonprofits get better design, functionality, and ROI from their websites for free. Uh, their websites are $0 to start up, and uh, customers only pay $59 a month to cover the cost of their domain and web hosting, which is really, really cheap compared to a lot of other places out there. Uh, their business model combines the benefits of having a local marketing agency with the ease and pricing of a drag and drop website builder. The Make Shark team members who've worked with brands as big as Hulu, Kroger, and Huffy Bikes, as well as local companies like She Has a Name Cleaning, Nature's Touch Landscaping, and Kicks Mix Bookstore. Like our guest today, Make Shark is a social enterprise helping inner city youth here in Columbus start a thriving career in web development and marketing while earning money in the process. If you guys want to reach out to Make Shark about launching your new website or seamlessly migrating your existing site for free, reach out to Make Shark at makeshark.com, which will be linked in the show notes, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you over. Our final shout out of the day goes out to Procure Clean. Procure Clean, the official disinfectant deodorizer for USA Wrestling, is a chlorine dioxide product and has quickly become the leading disinfectant on the market. Uh, They got a patented drop and go system and allows users just to add water and place it on whatever they want to disinfect for 30 seconds to eliminate everything from MRSA, Staph, and Ringworm, Tampa Tigo, and Herpes, just to name a few. Procure Clean leaves no chemical footprint, is eco-friendly, and food-grade safe. The only preventable injury in sports is a skin ailment, so let Procure Clean keep your facilities clean and your athletes in their sport. If you want to learn more about Procure Clean, please contact sales at ProcureClean.com. That's P-R-O-K-U-R-K-L-E-A-N.com, which will be linked in the show notes, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Conquers, that's the end of episode 33. We'll talk to you guys next week.
2: You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average.
1: This is Conquering Columbus.